Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Your Practice podcast, where you get to learn about marketing, growing, and managing your private practice. I'm Bryn Stutzman, and today we're going to be talking about the three biggest challenges for practice owners transitioning to a group practice. And to help me do that is Casey Compton. Welcome to the show, Casey. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, great. But first, you know, I, I wanted to say thank you. You put on a really great conference, the Meet Me in Kentucky conference uh, a few weeks back. So thank you for all your efforts. Have you recovered uh, from the conference? <laughs> uh, no, no. I, if you if you know what my natural country voice sounds like, um, you'll know that I'm, I'm still kind of, I get sick every year after the conference. So I'm still recovering from that. Yeah. Your body's just like, pushing yeah. all the adrenaline through is like, I feel nothing. And then afterwards, yeah, you just crash. That's, yeah. that's, I feel like an old, uh, Papaw talking, um, everywhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, thank you for putting that on. And in fact, um, my team, I had, I brought up my employee and also a couple of the, my clients, practice owners and, uh, the, the first thing in particular, kind of that business, entrepreneurial kind of systems, hiring, all that stuff, man. We had some really good conversations uh, nice. over bourbon uh, with that mm. too. So it was really good. Well, I mean, everything's better with bourbon. Yeah. Even yeah. ice cream. Yeah. Okay. So um, I had on your, on your, your website, it's like your mission is to help practice owners find confidence and achieve entrepreneurial freedom through business systems. Give mm -hmm. us a quick backstory and how you arrived at this, at this juncture in your business journey. <laughs> I mean, well, everyone needs confidence, right? Like that's, that's, we kind of need that to function and to grow and to continue to challenge ourselves. And there was a certain point in my own journey where I realized, oh, you know, I don't really have any confidence. I'm, I'm kind of just fumbling through this, uh, figuring it out as I go. People call it bootstrapping. You know, I was doing all of those things. And, um, you know, it took a lot of mess ups, <laughs> mistakes, um, a lot of hard lessons. I, I always tell my kids like I'm joking and, you know, just kind of fussing at them and saying, you're just going to be one of those kids that you're just going to have to learn it the hard way, knowing that that's also me. You know, you can't really tell me anything. I just have to figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of a lot of mistakes, a lot of learning opportunities. And I realized that um, I, I kind of needed to start back from the beginning and reevaluate everything and look at the things that I was doing well and my personal strengths in comparison to the things that I really wasn't very good at and didn't have a whole lot of tolerance for. And so when I started <laughs> when I started doing that, I realized that um, entrepreneurs go into private practice or people go into private practice to be entrepreneurs and to have freedom. You know, they want to create a life on their own terms. They want to have their own schedule. They want to make their own decisions. They want to be their own boss. But what what I noticed was happening with other people around me as well as myself is I felt more trapped by my business than I ever have in anything in my entire life. It was like it was just holding, holding me hostage. And the only thing that I felt like was going to get me out of that was um, systems and creating systems and processes that were, you know, predictable, consistent, all of these things. 
to give my business a fighting chance at surviving without me being the one calling all the shots all the time. So it's kind of how I ended up there. And from then, you know, really focusing on that and starting doing consulting with other practices back in 2017, um, learning a lot, you know, by working with other people and then working with Mike Michalowicz and then writing Fix the Snacks for Healthcare. Um, it just continued helping me learn and grow and, and see things differently. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I ended up here. Nice. And you're like, you know, you're intact still. Cause I know like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause I know like you could just throw yourself into the business and there's always more that you can do and mm-hmm. just go, 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 go. And but before you know it, you were just completely burned out and wiped mm-hmm. out and you look around, you're like, like, what is the waste? <laughs> like, I just laid waste to everything. And so that's really important when you start to build systems to, well, it gives you clarity and everyone else on your team clarity. And maybe this is a good jumping point to kind of talk about, um, you know, the three biggest challenges for practice owners transitioning to a group practice, because I imagine mm-hmm. you live that yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, um, when when we talked about this topic initially, I was just thinking, well, this is easy. I mean, there, well, it kind of is easy. There's so many challenges uh, going from private solo to a group. Um, then when I started writing it out, I was like, oh, um, this isn't so easy. Like there's actually a lot of challenges. It's really hard to boil it down to three. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I'll tell you the one I landed on as number one and why. Um most of us who are in private practice, even if we plan on moving into group practice one day or um, growing our business and scaling our business in some other way, I think we are so outcome driven and outcome focused as clinicians that um, we tend to skip over a lot of the things that are not like immediate gratification type thing. So for example, you know, we want to do things that are going to require some kind of like actual action and like us getting on a calculator and, and doing math and making forms and, you know, things that we can like see, touch, understand. But I think one of the biggest disservices that people, um, experience when they transition into group practice is that whole vision component of like what they're trying to build. And I know for me, you know, whenever I was doing this and I was pulling out the, um, the business plan and I I went online and I got um, a subscription to something called live plan because I thought maybe that'd be easier. Um, (laughs) You know, I started going through it and all of the things that required uh, like numbers and policies and like all of these things I could do like that was something. But when it, when it took me to the questions, the ones that in my head, I was thinking, well, these are just generic, you know, like mission, vision, values. How often have you heard that? And how, dumb does that sound after you hear it 800,000 times, I would just skim over it. You know, like it was like, well, I mean, of course, I'm just, I'm just here to help people, you know, duh, like that's not, it's a no brainer. Um, And so a lot of that, I think I, I skipped over. And when I started bringing in more people to the group, 
they actually needed that. Like they needed that origin story. They mm -hmm. needed that foundation. They needed something to believe in and to get behind and to advocate for. And um, so I think, I think that vision piece is, is a big one. Yeah. Um, knowing your why, like what's your true North to kind of, yeah. to kind of steer everything. Right. Yeah. Because I think we don't understand it until we get into it, until we get deep into it, that that why is the only thing that's going to keep us going at the worst and hardest and lowest points in that group practice journey. Also, there's so many things that connect to that vision. Like, you know, whenever sometimes I'll work with practice owners who have, let's say they started with a 1099 model and now they want to move to W2. And, you know, one of the first questions I'll ask is, well, what kind of W2 model are you going to have? And they're just like, I don't know, <laughs> W2. And I'm like, yeah, but there's all kinds of different ways to set up W2s. Like, what do you? And so if we know ultimately what we are trying to build, are we trying to build a, a group that uh, that is very focused on collaboration, very focused on teamwork? then how is that going to look when you're talking about payment and structure and uh, financials? Are you just going to expect that they're all going to want to volunteer to do, you know, like lunches and meetings? Like, how are you going to facilitate that culture? There's just so much to think about when it mm -hmm. comes to vision that it really is tied back to those tangible things like policy and financials. But a lot of times we don't see it until we get, really far into it. So the big thing is if you're going to be transitioning to a group, I mean, you should probably know this as a solo practitioner as a bit as your vision. Mm -hmm. um, and do you ever have these, I've been having these, I've been thinking about this a little bit. Do you ever have any conversations around like, what is your enough? Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause, mm -hmm. cause you could, the vision could be big, you know, like oh, multiple, you know, why do you want to have multiple locations and all these there? But I wonder if like, what is your, yeah, I'm curious if what, what are you hearing? What are the way you kind of think about like, what is your enough saying? Like, if I get, if I get to this, then I'll be happy. If it's this mm -hmm. revenue, if this big a team or, or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. hundred percent. And that, that's definitely part of the vision that I think people miss is what is your enough. And like, they'll say, well, you know, I'd like to have three locations and I'd like to have 50 employees. Okay. Why? Like, what are you, what are you trying to achieve here? Are you trying to make a certain amount of money? So it really just goes back to lifestyle congruence. How much money do you personally need to make in order for this to be worth it to you? Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times what happens is people go from solo practice into group practice thinking, okay, as soon as I hire my second therapist, I'm going to make more money. Well, no, you're not. <laughs> Uh, no, you're not, 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 not usually. And if you do, it's going to be short lived because those second, that second therapist is going to have needs and your systems have to change and your overhead is going to change. And the amount of time that you're working in the practice is now going to change because you're now overseeing someone and people within that vision often forget that their time has a price. And so if you're going to be in solo practice and make a hundred thousand dollars and you think being in group practice is going to help you make two hundred thousand dollars without doing any more work you're wrong at least in the beginning um without the systems 
it, you're, you're going to probably work twice as much to get that up and going. And so how much is that time costing you? Like, what is the value? What's the price that you put on your time? And a lot of people don't realize that. And there is a spot between solo and group that um, we just call it the messy middle. Like it's just, there's a certain point where you're not going to make any more money. In fact, you're probably going to make less. And without a plan to get over that middle and to get over that hump and scale up, um, you're going to be doing a lot more work for the same amount of money. And so I think, you know, really like thinking all of that through and, and laying all of that out at one therapist, what, what's my revenue going to be? How much time is it going to take me? What's my overhead at two therapists and like really planning all of that out. So you could see it's not just about, well, I'd like to have 50 employees, but I'd like to make a half a million dollars. And so what's it going to take for you to get there? And really having that kind of vision. Yeah. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you for that. What's number two on your list? Oh, well, that one's the fun one. Um, <laughs> well, the systems. Um, people don't realize how much more work it takes. And, and not just like physical work, but mental energy, um, emotional, like everything that it takes to bring on more therapists into the group, more providers into the group. And so what I like to do here is break out the practice into five systems. And so you have your front office, which usually consists of like your incoming calls, your intake, reception, medical records, you know, whatever, however you want to figure that up. Your back office, which is your accounts payable, accounts receivable, your billing, things like that. Your marketing system, um, your intake system in particular, which a lot of people put that in front office. So we'll just say that that goes in front office. Okay. Um, your, your HR, that's like your hiring, onboarding, retention of staff and um, your clinical. So you have those five, five departments of your practice. And then you have to really think about what are the systems and processes that are going to be in each one of those that's going to keep this whole practice as efficient as possible. Because if, if you now have more therapists that are requiring your time, attention, energy, all of that, it's exhausting. And so you really have to have those systems in place. And a lot of times what I tell people is what works for you will not work for five people. It's right. you have, you now have a totally separate, you have a different business. Um, and most of the time, what we do as individuals, as solo providers, we think we're like super efficient. And I remember I did. I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm writing referrals down on McDonald's receipts. I mean, I'm doing great. Um, it doesn't work when you have five and 10, 15, 20 therapists. So really just knowing that there, there's going to be a time where you're going to have to dedicate yourself to the business itself, mm -hmm. um, to really growing that business. People miss that. My, I have a question on HR systems. Mm -hmm. drill. And so what, what should, um, as they're, as they're hiring new clinicians, what are they, what should they be thinking? Is like, what kind of HR systems they need to be thinking about oh. putting in place? 
Oh my gosh. Yes. Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, this is like, if I could go back and write my wrongs, this would be something I would, if I had to do it over again, this would be the one thing that I would change immediately. Mm. And that is my HR system. So we bootstrapped our HR systems for a long time using, you know, automations, using Google forms, using all these things, because we didn't want to pay the price for like a legitimate system like Bamboo HR, which is what we use now. Okay. Um, big mistake. You need, you don't need to develop a system for HR as you grow. You need to, you need to choose a system that's already created um, and you need to grow into it. You don't, you don't need to constantly be growing out of things and changing them because one, therapists don't like change. People don't like change. People don't like miscommunication and people like consistency. Choosing something, and I'm not, I don't get anything from Bamboo HR. We literally just converted to it and I love it and it's amazing. And it's, I wish I would have done it nine years ago. Um, wow. But looking at something, whether it's that or something else, that keeps everything in one place in terms of your your hiring process. You want that as automated as possible. You know, that's the first interaction you get with a new employee is, is through that hiring, onboarding. You know, that's where you that's where you develop that rapport, much like you do a client. Yes. And, you know, they, they have to buy into your your vision and. Having like a messy, he said, she said, I emailed her. I didn't get a response. I did this. I did that, whatever. I, I didn't know about that. Like, you can't write me up because you didn't tell me. Like, those kinds of things, those can all be avoided. I'm a huge advocate for that HR system. I would do this if, with any business I start from this point forward, 100%. And Bamboo is a platform. So you're just, it's like they have a system that you just leverage and customize for yourself. And that, exactly. And those include what? Obviously, like paperwork, mm -hmm. uh, yep. like mm -hmm. contracts or something like yep. that. Or, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you can do, you can post jobs, you can um, schedule, you can schedule interviews, you can send job offers, you can send contracts, you can send I-9s, you can send W-4s, you can send all the paperwork component. People can clock in, people can clock out. There's a widget platform for um, onboarding. They can complete all their online trainings through there. Um, they can request time off, their time off accrues. They can um, request vacation. They can put in bereavement days. You can set performance goals. You can monitor performance goals. You can send announcements to the team. There's company directories. There's um, like chain of commands. There's, I mean, literally everything that you could need. And what I say about the hiring and HR system is it really affects every other system in the whole business. Hmm. And so you, you got to get that right. Or it's going to be really hard to, to focus on anything else. You know, you want your therapist to be comfortable and confident in their employment with you so that they can do what they need to do, which is focus on the clients. And I would say that the majority of our turnover, and it also tracks like turnover rates and all that for staff, um, the majority of our turnover has been based on poor communication. It's it's there. It's someone not getting what they need from whoever is supposed to be managing them. Mm. Um, and so that I think that this is going to be a way to improve that across yeah. the board.
That's really helpful because there's, you know, a lot of people have talked about, and I thank you for sharing that because a lot of people have talked about, you know, marketing systems, your intake mm-hmm. systems and things, but the HR is sort of like the sleeping giant. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> nobody, nobody really talking kind of gets some insight into that. So you're right. Like, and you know, I think centralizing and using software to automate is, is mm-hmm. really powerful. Cause I always think practices that are run well, you have, you have your systems, but there's usually a piece of software behind it mm-hmm. to automate it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's like the icing on the cake. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that just makes it even more efficient. Right. And it removes you out of the process. A lot exactly. Of the so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, great. Well, thank you. Before we get into point number three, I actually want to share <laughs> a software that could actually automate some systems. Uh, before we go on and re- remind our listeners about a new resource you can take advantage of today, and that's called Therasas. Many private practices have an inefficient system for capturing, qualifying, and converting new client leads. They struggle to keep up with the demand of new appointment requests, and whether they are using post-it notes, a notebook, or some sort of spreadsheet, potential clients often fall through the cracks. And even worse, many new client leads are often left waiting for a response. In their moment of need, they reach out for help and they rarely hear back from the practice. And that's why I designed Therasas. Now, Therasas is a powerful HIPAA compliant software to organize all new client appointment requests using website forms, automation, and HIPAA compliant messaging. So you can instantly connect and qualify client leads, easily manage wait lists, and track every step of your intake process with real-time analytics. It's said that the riches are in the niches, and the fortune is in the follow-up. Therasas was specifically designed for the follow-up process. It has empowered solo practice owners to grow quickly and group practice owners to supercharge their intake teams. Getting started is simple. Step one, just go to therasas.com and sign up for a demo and a free trial. The second step is if you decide that Therasas will grow your practice, we'll sign you up. Therasas takes one hour to implement and one hour to train your, your intake team. Step three, you can confidently know that new clients are being communicated with and not falling through the cracks. Being known as a practice that provides the best care starts at the very beginning when someone reaches out for help. You've worked too hard to build your practice to have client leads go unanswered and fall through the cracks. Level up your intake process with Therasas to capture, qualify, and convert new client leads. See if Therasas is a good fit for you today. Just go to therasas.com and schedule a demo call. All right. So go ahead, Casey. Let's jump into the final. Yeah, I love that. Um, that's that's one of my biggest uh, pet peeves is the follow through of, of all of the things. And it's actually my number three. Um, <laughs> Synergy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's actually my number three. Um, I'm just calling it accountability. And Here's the thing is like you can have the greatest systems, the greatest processes, you can do all that. But if if someone is not making sure that the people are doing the work and that we're not and that we are delivering on the commitments that we're making to not only our clients, but to our employees and um, going back to that vision and that brand promise, then what, what are we doing? I mean, we're only going to, in the long term, create a poor reputation for ourselves as a provider. Yeah. And so I think um, accountability across the board is something that people struggle with. I know I do. It's, um, 
it's not necessarily something that I don't notice. Like I can tell because I'm looking at outcomes. So I can tell if someone is not doing their job. But to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations about, hey, look, here's the goal and this is what your performance is indicating and you're really not meeting those standards, that's hard for me to do. That's hard for me to have those conversations with people on the daily. It's exhausting. It doesn't bring me any kind of energy. It sucks the life out of me. It's something that I know that it's just not, it's not sustainable for me to do. Um, the problem is no one on my team is good at it either. Um, <laughs> and so finding people or being able to train people that, that can really spot accountability and, and make sure that everyone is rowing in that same direction is 100% necessary. And the thing that saves me, honestly, is even though I'm terrible at accountability, because what I tend to do is I am kind of passive about it. Like I know someone's not doing their job, but I don't really have proof. I just see that they're mm. not, you know, and so I let it go and then I'll let it go and I'll let it go. And then I get to the point where I can't let it go anymore. And then I'm really irritated. And then I just, <laughs> it's just like, <sighs> yeah. Um, but having platforms, automations, technology systems that um, support you in holding other people accountable and turns things it from like an emotional perspective into just a very black and white makes it easier for me. And talking about Bamboo HR, um, for, for me in the role that I play in my business right now, that is what I needed because now it's very black and white. Here's the performance goal. Here's the outcome. Did you meet that goal? Did you not? What are we going to do about it? Um, it takes all of the feelings out of it. Uh, now, I think every system, one of, one of our systems is intake and client care, and that's the, that's the foundation of our practice. And so we are very, very hypervigilant to, um, to that system. Hmm. And I think that having accountability and, and having a, a, a platform like you, like you shared in the um, sponsor break is perfect because you're not having to manually count things. It's, it's right there in a dashboard that tells you this is what's outstanding. Like this is what needs to be done. This is what's not been done. And to me, that's accountability. Um, and it also provides a, a, a system so that then you can coach your team like, okay, look, here's what this looks like. This is showing we had 25 calls and half of them were converted. Um, you know, the other half of them we couldn't get a hold of or something like that. And so prompting your team to be able to say, okay, what are we going to do about this? Well, what can we do? And problem solving, that's going to take so much pressure off of the practice owner. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times we try to do so much and we need to let the systems bear the brunt of, of the work. Yeah, that's oh, okay. So lots of things here. <laughs> I wanted to talk about. Um, so yeah, the whole idea behind Therasas because, um, you know, we we if we were to ask like how many leads that we get, or mm -hmm. it's like we one we didn't have a dashboard mm -hmm. to kind of like just get real time analytics on that. How many conversions yeah. did we get? Well, they have 
well, first of all, a lot of intake coordinators or teams or whatever, it's like paper and pencil. Maybe it's a Google mm -hmm. sheet or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's still like really unorganized. And yeah, lots um, of room for error. Lots of room for error. And there's no transparency into the process. So you can't yeah. actually see emails or text messages or phone calls that are happening in mm -hmm. that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so there we have like this unified inbox. It's awesome. So there's transparency, like, so there's accountability. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take hours for the practice owner to be able to look and ask questions. So exactly. as, as it relates to what are you tracking as far as the clinicians go? So you have your measurement and accountability. What are you mm -hmm. saying? Okay, these are the things every week or every month we need to have a conversation around. You talk mm -hmm. about performance. Is that mm -hmm. like a regular kind of weekly check-in, monthly? What are you asking? What are you checking? That's a that's a really good question. So um, the quick answer is, so marketing is one of our core systems. Mm -hmm. Every system in the practice has a system operator. And so, for example, marketing is my marketing coordinator, Emily, um, and she has a goal that is directly related to that position, to her, to, you know, marketing. Well, marketing's job is to get new leads into our funnel. Okay. So if we're imagining a funnel, marketing's job is to get the leads. Our intake people, so we call them client care, our client care team, their job is conversion. Marketing is lead generation. Client care is conversion. Like sales. Right. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. We need to get them on the books mm -hmm. and then it moves into our clinical um, who then has to keep them in that funnel and make sure that the goals are being addressed and, you know, whatever. And then when they discharge and they come out of that funnel, it goes back to client care to ensure satisfaction. And so within that, we are tracking leads generated and I'm measuring performance for my marketing coordinator. That's how I measure her performance. Conversions of the generated leads. Then I'm also, when it gets down into the clinical, I am measuring utilization. And so two things with our therapists that we measure is utilization, which for us means the number of clients on your caseload versus how many of those clients are you seeing on a regular weekly basis. So if they have 10 clients on their caseload and they only saw five of them, their utilization is 50%. We want it to be at 80 and so basically, if we are getting a lead, we're converting the lead, we're expecting the clinician to see the lead. Um, we also track how many sessions it takes for us to become profitable. Um, and unfortunately, our worst case profitable number, because we accept Medicaid and all these crazy things, mm -hmm. takes about seven sessions. Oh, wow. So, Yeah. So if that therapist does not see that client for seven sessions, we don't even consider them retained. So we're shooting for 12 sessions to be retained. Um, those are the main things that we that we look at. And then we meet with clinicians every week. They have a dashboard. They have their own personal dashboard that shows their utilization numbers and their productivity. So therapists, they focus on those two things. Productivity is just, are they seeing the number of clients that they're supposed to see? You know, it, it's it's really just numbers. It's not based yeah. on anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 that pretty much works for us. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be a ton of things that we track. We just try to track the, the 
the umbrella things. Mm -hmm. Now, can I ask a follow-up question on that for the um, follow-up? So once they discharge and they go, Mm -hmm. you said they go back to client care. Is that just Mm -hmm. sort of like, I don't know, a wellness check. I don't know how to ask you. It's sort of like, Hey, how did this go for you? Uh, That type of thing. Yes. What was your experience like? Would you recommend us to a friend or family member? That's also where we can go back and double check that chart and make sure um, there's a discharge summary that all of the things are, you know, there and available. We also check their contact information at that point, because what we do is we keep them on an internal um, marketing series, like an email marketing campaign. And so when they're moved to discharge, then they go into a different batch for like nurture based type marketing. So they may get an email at, you know, like two weeks post or something like that saying, fill out this survey. And then we'll put them back on um, a nurture campaign in maybe three months or six months that says, how's everything going? If you need a, a maintenance session, click this link, we'll get you set back up, you know, things like that oh, that's um, really interesting. helps quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Nurture. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they usually come back. Usually. Amazing. They always come they back. Yeah. There's usually yeah. something there. Mm-hmm. And okay. we keep them on that list. That way, if we have new therapists that come on that have certain areas of specialty and, and whatnot, they'll still get those emails unless they opt out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't, we just, we try to send once a month, one a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. What do you use to send emails with? We used to use a uh, mailer light. Mm-hmm. I know, I know I'm country and it sounds like beer, but mail, mail or mailer. But now we actually, it integrates within our EHR. So we used advanced MD okay. and um, we are able to do all of that through our EHR. And that oh, makes it wow. a little easier. Got yeah. it. Okay. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. I didn't know you could do that with advanced MD. Yeah, it makes it easier to target certain clients because you can tag them, you, you know, tag them out. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I'd love to talk yeah. more about systems sometime. Sure. Really Anytime. Great. I well, love talking about it. Well, where can people find more about you? Yeah. Just follow us on social, um, social media. Hi, Casey Compton. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Um, gosh, we're working on a dang TikTok. I don't, don't even hey, ask oh. it. Oh, it's well, you know, a, you're reaching the Chinese. I get it. Like, you I wanna... guess. <laughs> it's an, it's an extension of the podcast. So we did start a new podcast called back porch bestie. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's not a business podcast. So it's a, it's a podcast for those who are searching for joy um, mm. in, in life and whatever that may be. So uh, check us out there. That's been really fun. We've had a lot of good success out of that podcast so far. So you can always find me on Apple or Spotify. Great. And you wait, you have your own podcast. Is yeah. that the best? Is that the, is that yeah. the back, back porch? Back porch best. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's the one you're talking about earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. Well, That's thank it. you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, all right, listeners, all the content on the Branger Practice website, podcasts, and other media reflects my own opinions and should not be taken mm-hmm. as legal advice, financial advice, or investment advice. Please seek out the guidance of a professionally trained and licensed individual before making any decisions. Some links in the descriptions may be affiliate links. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast and please join me again on the next time on the Brand Your Practice podcast.